0: welcome to 51 first dates i'm liza and i'm kimmy and we are doing an experiment
1: and talking about dating and love maybe yeah maybe maybe Cheers! Cheers. Yay! Hi
0: everyone, I'm Liza. And I'm
1: Kimmy, and this is a podcast called 51 First Dates, which you know, because you clicked on it. (laughs) I have to say it every time.
0: (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it's fine.
1: If you're just joining us, um, start at the beginning. No, just please still join us. Um, We're not talking about a specific date this week, because we have a really extra special guest on, who will be on in just a moment. Um, I just will introduce her right now. Oh, sure. Emma Koenig. She's the author of Moan, Anonymous Essays on Female Orgasm. And she's also the author of Fuck in My Twenties, of the blog that started Moan. We'll go into more about what the book is, but basically... Basically, she's an
0: extremely cool lady. Extremely cool lady. Who writes about sex.
1: Yeah. And other stuff. This book is actually amazing, and I encourage you all to pick up a copy right now. (laughs) Look at me being so serious. But basically, just the premise, and we'll get more into it, is that Emma had a blog called How to Make Me Come, and it was kind of like a collective of women writing the answer to how to make me come to a, any past, present, or future lover. So if you could be really honest about how someone can someone make you come, and I want to write one.
0: Actually. I know. And they're anonymous, really so people are really honest and really... And, yes. Yeah. And we talk. we'll talk all about that.
1: But it's, it's now a book. It's out everywhere. It's, like, blowing up the internet. Rachel Bloom does the foreword. It's just, it's really, really cool. Um, and, yeah, it was such a fun conversation with Emma. And totally. we're so lucky that she came on and talked to us about it. Yeah, for over. sure.
0: Um, and so. in other news, in our housekeeping, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Housekeeping. Um, as you guys
0: know, Kimmy is, like, not,
1: uh, this is, I'm just. No longer. Thinking. Like, like, like not doing. I did 32 out of 51 dates and there's a pause because there's a really nice person in my life right now. Um, From the dates. Whoa. From the dates. Um, So if...
0: Spoil it. Totally. So if you're joining us, if you're new to us... That's kind of where we are currently at. Spoilers, you should go back to the beginning. It's not date 32 that she's with. it's no, like whatever. It's so you should go listen to her whole journey. Um, and if you are a continu- uh, a regular recurring listener who's been with us on this journey for a really long time, thank you. We love you guys so,
1: so much. And thank you for all your input on, on what to do going forward. Yes. So, like, basically, we always said we would Doctor Who it, just, like, cast a new dater. But I'm moving to L.A., Liza's going to be in New York and we're going to be able to record together but shit's going to get tricky
0: yeah so Um, I think that's something that we are looking at doing now just to let you guys know where we're at is hiring hiring no we're not going to pay them (laughs) we're just going to be on the pod Uh, is is inviting um, two or three new daters potentially who will check in with each of them every couple weeks um, by a brief phone call or they'll be here in studio aka my bedroom Um, recording with us, talking about their dates, talking about their journey, basically what Kimmy did, but we're going to have a couple of them.
1: Yeah, and I really appreciate the strong feelings about, like, wanting to follow someone's journey, logistics, and then just, like, having a host on if we have a third. Like, if we have a dater, a new dater, a new Kimmy, I can leave the pod. Or or we'd have, like, three of us always plus the guest, which just can be a lot, even if we did every other week. So we're going to, like, for the meantime – we're going to take a pause from having a regular dater, but you can all send in, like, accounts of your dates and we'll talk about them. You can be anonymous. You can do your taxi have confession, which is your your right after your date impressions. You can give us a little context. You can send us, like, two little things and then we can talk about them. Um, but then, yeah, we just also want to be inclusive. I'm just giving all the rationale. I know I sound like a teacher right now. But no, totally. Thinking, like,
0: I think what Kimmy's, like, saying is basically, like, we are, <laughs> we say- are right now – we are in the process of looking for, like, recruiting and talking to new potential daters to join us. Like, we want to do exactly what you guys want. And I think the overwhelming response is that you guys want to follow someone through many dates and see their journey. And I think it's going to be really fun because they're going to get to compare and contrast their journey with Kimmy's. Mm -hmm. We're going to get to talk about the ways that they're the same or different. And um, what we really want to bring to you guys is a different perspective. So we're talking to, like, men. We really want to, like, chat with people who are, like... You know LGBTQIA plus, like uh, we want to bring people Good who's dating. Thank you. Uh, who's okay. dating? Um, experiences are just like a little bit different. So we are trying to recruit someone who's got like the right vibe of like openness, silliness. Who has chemistry with us? Obviously, it's a little bit of like a casting process, although it's not. Um, you know, we're not looking at headshots, but, uh, we're trying to find someone with the right chemistry and that does take some time, but we really hope to have someone for you in the next couple weeks. So and like, in the meantime, uh, maybe a couple.
1: Yeah. yeah so and we're maybe still a sorting out like
0: maybe but like yes.
1: that we check in with because totally. to be really fucking honest, going on a date a week is very hard. Hard, Yeah. So, so hard. and then finding time to, to record about it too. So, but all of that, Liza said it clearly, I didn't, but in the meantime, if you just not even like as, oh my God, I can't call it casting. That makes me want to. I know, what's the right word? Um, Recruiting. Just like recruiting. (laughs) It also sounds so formal. Um, But in the meantime, if you just want to send a one-off in, like we've done from some listeners, we might even have a couple that we haven't done. Please send in your first impressions and just like a little bit about the date, and we can chat about it. Um, Obviously, it's a bit more of a one-sided conversation, but...
0: And stick with us. We have really cool, exciting guests in the next couple of weeks. We may have some like friends come on as guests to share a first date experience mm-hmm. as we're working to find our next dater. Um, we really appreciate your support during yes, this transition, thank you. and I'm- we really appreciate you bearing with us and like still being involved and engaged. And we're we love your emails. We love your notes. We love everything. We love you.
1: We love you so much. Thank you. It also makes my like transition into this whole new part of the country <laughs> like a little bit less fucking terrifying because i'm going to be really busy when i'm first there so then yeah thank you for like being flexible with us because yeah
0: totally when this
1: comes out i might be there i'm definitely already you there. will be there oh, you'll totally be in sunny
0: California there. right now you're in sweaty New York i am in New York um so yeah without any further ado here is our awesome interview with Emma Keenig. yay hi everybody <laughs> hi everybody we're back <laughs> well, from our intro <laughs> from our a very serious intro um and just want to say welcome to our guest
1: yeah, Emma Koenig, who is joining us hey. via Skype. Hi, Emma. <laughs> Hello. How's uh, it going?
0: Great. Thanks for joining us.
2: Pleasure to be here. I'm... Well, <laughs> away. <laughs> on the other side of the country, but still. Pleasure
0: to be, like, chilling in your bed. Yes, yes. <laughs> Cool. Cool. Um, so, Emma, as we mentioned in our intro, is the author of Moan, anonymous essays on female orgasm. Um, or the... the collector the curator how, what i mean author but
2: yeah i yeah I, I, it's i understand how author can kind of feel like a misnomer for this sort of book because it is more like i'm a curator but uh when you have a book sometimes called an author
0: so i'll take either <laughs> i feel like author i mean like you wrote yeah. a goddamn book a second book <laughs> so i feel like author is appropriate
2: <laughs> whatever floats your boat
0: cool um so yeah do you want to just uh tell our listeners i mean uh, i'm sure that like lots of people have heard of how to the how to make me come blog and and know mm-hmm. its origins um but do you want to just can you just give us like a little bit of like the life story of this book and how it came to be and everything totally. about it yeah
2: so basically a few years ago after an uncomfortable sexual experience i found myself thinking a lot about what happened and thinking about communication and sexual experiences and how we learn about sexual experiences and just the female orgasm specifically and why that feels at times like such a different elusive animal than the male orgasm. And, um, I couldn't stop thinking about this. And so I wanted to create something, uh, channeling my frustration and, uh, confusion and excitement about this topic. So I reached out to a bunch of women and they reached out to a bunch of women and they reached out to a bunch of women. And I kind of formed this feminist collective of people who all really had something to say on this topic. And I gave them this writing prompt, which was, uh, imagine you could write an essay entitled how to make me come and give it to a past, present or future sexual partner what would you want them to know free of judgment or repercussion? And if they didn't want to talk about that, they could talk about anything um, that moved them in relation to sex or the female orgasm. Um, But I basically was trying to create a diverse collection of experiences to show the spectrum of not only female desire, but female frustration Um, and how different we all are. And yet how there are a lot of, themes that come up time and time again and uh so basically i created this as a blog called how to make me Come, and now it has evolved three years later into this book moan which has some of the essays that were on the original site and a bunch of new ones and uh yeah, and it just came out in May, so I'm
1: very excited. Congratulations! It's really, really good. It's thank you. Yeah, it's. I feel like every every. I I can't imagine a person who wouldn't um, gain something from it, and I really hope men are reading it too, or just all sorts of people are reading it. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess the decision, like taking it from blog to book, how did that happen more specifically? Well, I knew
2: that. I always wanted it to be a book.
0: Mm. When
2: I first envisioned it, um, I think every once in a while, one has ideas that come to them really vividly and comprehensively all at once. I've only experienced that a few times in my life, which is like the great bummer of like (laughs) (laughs) trying to be an artist and create things is that, you know, most of the time, it's really, really hard to come up with ideas, at least for me, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to come up with ideas and to follow through on them. I think that's a challenge that many of us face, whether you're in the arts or not. Um, But this was an idea that it all came to me at once. Um, Like, I knew what the title was, I knew what the format was, I knew the kind of tone I was going for, and I knew that it's really hard to have a book, even having already published a book, it's still, you know, tough world out there. So, I thought similarly to my last project, uh, Fuck I'm in My Twenties, which also began as a blog, I was like, you know, I know that path of potentially taking something from the internet to tangible book form. So, maybe that's a path to explore. But also, with the consciousness that even if this never became a book, I just wanted to do this project so badly in whatever medium that it didn't matter. So even if this only existed online, I just was so passionate about it that uh, it didn't matter what happened next. Of course, I'm like super psyched that my dream came true and it became a book, but I think, uh, you know, this just, this topic and this conversation felt so important to me that even if, you know, it stopped three years ago, the project, it would have felt really satisfying in a different way than it does now. But you know, it was just like exciting to put it all out there and that's what I really wanted.
1: Yeah. It's um, awesome. And also just to, just for our listeners, Emma, I'm going to say, I'm just going to let them know that I know you from way back yeah. in the day. just really, when like creative wise, when I was more creative, um, we were at NYU together at the Experimental Theater Wing. So just, I'm just going to throw that out there just as a little side note.
0: Yes. But <laughs> one
2: little trivia. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, I'm loving, one of my favorite things about having this podcast is talking to like all of these different people, mostly women, which is cool, uh, who are like, who have like fucking made their thing happen. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's, just cool it's cool that anyone does that in a world that's like so fucking set up to you know well it's it's hard because people yes. everyone doesn't do it because it's really fucking hard so kudos and mm-hmm. congratulations but yeah okay. sorry to totally
1: make go tangentially no, but <laughs> i had a moment too because i was
0: like i feel like they you know you guys knew each other from nyu but i couldn't remember because i don't have a i have a goldfish memory um mm-hmm. well i i've <laughs> read i could
1: not handle the life yeah um did you
2: but now i can't remember did you transfer schools entirely i did
1: yeah i think it was like it honestly wasn't only it wasn't etw i think it was like i was familiar with new york i just like you had some life stuff i had some life stuff too yeah my mom was first diagnosed with breast cancer then i don't know it was like a total i like look back i'm like i wish i could have done that like after college or as like a grad program i just was fully Mm -hmm. not ready um, totally. yeah. and I had to go be a little basic and do like the normal college thing at Boston college. I just totally went like a direction I didn't <laughs> think I'd go. And then here I am. <laughs> That's hard. I feel
0: like <laughs> I was, I applied to Tish and didn't get in and I'm, I, I don't think I would have been able to, you have to be like a really mature 18 year old. And I was not. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I think it's just, I mean, when you really break it down, Deciding where you wanna spend four years when you're 18 years old is pretty wild. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I think it's like, yeah, it's an adjustment no matter if you like the school you're at or not. It's just like there's so many things happening to you simultaneously, like leaving home and meeting new people and getting older and like trying to figure out what you're gonna do with your life.
1: It's a lot yeah totally. and looking back i'm like i was so fucking young at 18 like that is so young yeah, like i still famous. don't know what i'm doing like that's yeah um but going back in 30s the new 18 30s the new 18 <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that's like that our
0: next sure thing sure <laughs> feels like it yeah um fuck i'm in my 30s uh yeah.
1: is what
0: i've been saying every day for the last month and a half um so i also just wanted to, to talk to you about like so, at first, the, uh, when you originally started the blog, um, you were anonymous, right? Yeah, yeah, And, like, so talk a little bit about that, about, like, what that – I mean, obviously, you mention it in, in the intro uh, chapter to your book, and I just thought it was, like, a really interesting, um, like, journey and your thoughts on anonymity and the anonymity of your writers was really interesting. So, I, uh, yeah, like, tell us a little bit about why you were anonymous to begin with, why you, like, um, you know, decided to end that, why you're keeping mm-hmm. your writers anonymous.
2: Totally. So I think that even if you're the most honest, outgoing, like self-aware person on the planet, there is still stuff you're not saying. Mm -hmm. We, most of us have some censorship when we're aware that an audience is going to interact with what we're saying. Um, and I like, I, I think a perfect example of that is like, if you can remember writing a diary entry when you were a little kid or even not so little, um, I think there's a difference between if you think anyone's ever going to find it and read it. (laughs) Like if you think your, your mom might pick it up or like someday someone might find it as an artifact or whatever. I think we often do write diaries with the sense that like there's a possibility someone outside of ourselves could read it. Um, maybe that's just me because I'm a writer, but like, no, I think, (laughs) no, I I feel that way too. Yeah. I think we all do that to an extent. And I think that even, you know, I can say for myself, even as someone who feels really, uh, open talking about sex and, um, thinking about it and listening to people's stories, it's like, I still have, things that are personal and private to me. I still am like a private person, even if I'm maybe emotionally, uh, open about certain topics, there's still details about myself that I would only share with certain people or maybe with nobody, Mm -hmm. maybe just with myself. And I think everyone has those things. Um, and I think when it comes to something as intense and layered as sexuality, um, which is so much more than sex itself. It has so much to do with uh, your feelings about yourself, your your way of interacting with the world, the way you feel you're perceived by the world, the religion and the education and the entertainment and the pornography you've been exposed to and the things you learned when you were a kid and the peer pressure and the people you've dated and the experiences you've had. Like There's so much that goes into that. Um, and it's so rich and emotional uh, that I feel like it just had to be anonymous to get to the truth. That was just like one of those things, like I said at the beginning when I pictured this project in a very holistic sense all at once. I knew I wanted it to be anonymous because I just felt like as a therapeutic tool for the writers to really get that out there and to be super, super candid. Um, And not worry about what would happen if like their ex read it or their parents read it or their roommate read it or or their boss or whatever. You know, if it I think people would put a cap on how much they were willing to share um, with the idea that their name would be forever linked to it. Um, And I think if I'm the whole point of this is to try to get to reality, it's like it's got to be as real as possible. Um, And so for this project at least, I think it made sense to have these voices be anonymous. And then I think for the reader too, I think that we all write stories in our head about who people are. Even if we see someone on a subway, we like kind of subconsciously are making up stories about what kind of person that is based on what they look like and how old they are and what they're wearing. And I think that if you give too many details, up front at the beginning of an essay that's really about someone's inner truth and that you could get sort of distracted and your own implicit bias could come out and like color the way you're reading it and so i wanted it to be this very pure like
0: this could be anybody you don't know who this is that's so smart because i definitely do that like and i think it's a you know, not always negatively or anything, but like you know, I'm reading a, a novel right now, and like it's really fucking good, and the author's really pretty, and I resent, I resent it <laughs> because like because her book jacket, she's yeah. just yeah. a really pretty young blonde woman who wrote this beautiful novel. It's called The Immortalists. If anyone wants but um it's like it's true you it, and it doesn't even matter it's just from one stupid smiling picture of like what I, who i'm sure is a lovely woman you know right it's it's very uh, and there's a million assumptions we make about everyone every everyone every day um some most unfair
1: <laughs> so yeah, I, think, I think like, that's like so wise. even
2: if it's something like relatively innocuous like what you're describing of just like oh, this person's so pretty. That's making me have a s- bring up things about myself, bring up things about how I react to other women and what does that mean? You know, it's already like starting this dialogue in your head, even though it's like a relatively positive thing. You're just kind of like, oh, yeah, that girl's kind of pretty. I-, I think there are far uh, like darker versions of that as well um, mm-hmm. and not as though I could possibly like prejudice-proof um, a book like this, or that I would want to, you know, like I'm not trying to like protect people who are like racist and homophobic and sexist and stuff, but I hope that there's like that this is sort of uh, a special kind of exercise of interacting with true experiences and with text where you don't know who the author is, and and seeing the things that like you relate to where maybe there are certain elements of a story that like bring up insecurities or uh, similarities or uh, compassion for the author or whatever it is, but whatever you're interacting with from the material, maybe if you knew exactly what that person looked like or if not what they looked like, you know, their exact age, their ethnicity, where they grew up, what kind of work they do, like you'd already have a picture and that would just like, I think solely the experience
0: somewhat. Even just like thinking about like what what decade people were coming of age when they mm-hmm. were dating. You know, like I feel like sometimes I will put all all type all kinds of assumptions on people's experiences because they're talking about dating in the early '90s, and I'm like, well, that yeah. you know, like again, right. fairly innocuous. But just like it's cool to be able to connect with someone's like really personal emotional experience with no, yeah, none of that, or only the bits of that that they decided to give you. That
2: they want to share. Yeah. yeah. And I think like, as for me, I think um, one reason I was anonymous and another reason that I wanted everyone to be anonymous is like for protection. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like, as I say in the book, I've been a woman on the internet for a long time and I've been a woman for even longer. And so it's like, I just, I know how toxic it can be. And I feel like even though I'm a little hopefully wiser than I was when I first went on the internet as I hope we all are. I think that it's like, I still have dealt with this strange um, unexpected consequence of being an artist, which I didn't, none of us could have predicted when we were kids, but uh, of just like the insidious toxic ways the internet works and people can comment on your work. And I think like, of course I think people are entitled to have opinions and like share them but I think there is and people are also really entitled to not like anything I do <laughs> like I don't think everyone has to be a fan by any means but I think there is another realm where it crosses into just like people truly threatening to rape and kill you yeah. for just you know yeah writing a short story or something and so I felt like Given the nature of this and given the fact that even though it's not my intention to shame men at all and that's not the thesis of the project in any way, I could see how people could feel defensive, feel uh, upset with the content and unfairly take it out on the women participating and as the creator that I could bear the brunt of that. And I just like on one hand was like, yeah, I can't deal with that.
1: Yeah. I mean and, the trolls are yeah. so real. Sorry, just to, like I've written no, like no, please. inconsequential please. articles for millennial blogs. I don't know how they're reading. Like just like you know money jobs and like what like it's so even it was just like uh, weird. I don't know. Have there have been little articles that I could never have expected would lead to like actual death threats from like weird trolls and people making memes of you. I'm like, yeah, what is this it's happening crazy. to me? I'm not even well known, like, you know, like, yeah, I'm just
2: like, why? Nor, yeah. Nor <laughs> am I. I. it's like, it's just so bizarre that, that this happens. I mean, it's certainly not a unique experience, which I guess there's like some warped, uh, comfort in that. Um, but I also think just like to zoom out even further, I felt like, and, and it's related, it, but it's like my previous big project, fuck I'm in my twenties, I think that maybe there are people who didn't like that or who don't like me for whatever reason, but could really connect to this project. And I think it's a very different sort of project. And I also wanted to allow people to engage with work without getting caught up in like who made it, because I think that's another thing that like we're all guilty of doing. It's like if you hear about a movie and it's like, Starring someone who's your favorite actor versus someone who's not, uh, or versus some an actor you don't like for whatever reason, maybe you won't see the movie with the actor you don't like. Totally. But maybe it's an amazing movie. So I think, like, I wanted to give people, like, the chance to just, like, have really no idea where this project came out of. And just, like, if you're into it, that's great. And you don't need to know that it was me because maybe you don't like me and like that could get in the way of you enjoying and connecting to this material but also at the end of the day it's like i've been working on this for three years and i think i just like couldn't do the anonymity anymore (laughs) it was you know because it's like my full-time it was like my full-time project and um i feel like all those like elena ferranti and like all those people who like really keep their identities under wraps for years and years, like that's just like not in my DNA. So at a certain point I did have to just, I wanted to step up and be like, okay, it was me. <laughs> um, just for my own sanity, but also cause I think I gave the project about three years of being anonymous. And I, at that point I felt like, okay, it's been out there in the world for a long time. And like people have gotten to um, decide if they like it or not. And like, now I'm okay. Owning it,
1: yeah, you gotta own it at this point. It's so yeah. good. Like, I'm so glad you owned it, and then also still Thank just you. like having the the really intimate stuff not have to be still be able to be anonymous. And mm-hmm. just as a side note, I loved reading the anonymous accounts because mm-hmm. I don't know, I felt like this weird solidarity, and I wasn't even thinking of it as like because I didn't know what someone looked like, or but like it just felt like oh. We all have, when we really get down to our, like, diaries, I don't keep one anymore, but if, you know, if someone were to read it, they wouldn't maybe judge me for, like, the true yeah. stuff. Like, because I'm not judging these. I'm just feeling like... Right. Like, they're helping me think through my own weird worries. and that's, Yeah. That's great.
0: So, you've read, like, hundreds of essays, I'm assuming. I mean, mm-hmm. how many essays have you read about the female orgasm at this point? <laughs>
2: Well, a lot. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's like, I don't have like an exact number. I mean, I've been, I feel like it's, yeah, like a couple hundred. Um, so yeah, it's definitely like part of my brain. I feel like I probably permanently altered my brain (laughs) (laughs) doing this.
0: Yeah. Um, is there like something that has surprised you or like a commonality you've seen in a lot of these that you didn't expect to see?
2: Hmm. Well, I think there is, there are a bunch of commonalities. I mean, I think like what's really interesting is just like seeing the ones that directly contradict each other Hmm. because, Uh, While at times that could probably feel overwhelming of like, oh, God, we're all so different. Our sexual partners are also different. How do we ever connect with each other? I think there is something comforting of like, oh, yeah, like what worked for someone else doesn't have to work for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think in terms of the commonalities, one thing that I've been thinking about a lot recently is and maybe I don't even know how much it comes up in the book, but just overall, this whole project was the experience of feeling really frustrated sexually until you met the right person and things changing. And I don't think, I'm not trying to uh, create a scenario where like the only way to like get your sexual dreams and needs met is to like have the best partner ever. It's not what I'm saying, but I think what it means is when someone actually listened to you and made you feel safe and that you could trust them, it's incredible, like, how the sex followed. Mm -hmm. Um, And that doesn't necessarily need to be, like, the person you're going to end up with forever, but I think just, like, having a partner that's, like, really listening to you and really treating you well um, can, like, change the course of your Sexual journey. And then I think another thing is that people really want to talk. Mm. Like, I mean, I'm sure there are definitely essays in the book that contradict that and say, like, I don't want to talk about it. I just want to do it. Like, I don't want to have a whole conversation. Um, But I do think that there were many that were just like, hey, let's have a situation where we can get on the same page about stuff. Let's. Create a dialogue where we're allowed to bring up things that we want. Like, because why not? Like, that's only going to make it better. Yeah. Um,
1: It's such, it's like, it's so funny because we talk a lot about dating more than sex. Obviously, those things go hand in hand, but just in terms of like a lot of first dates. But the thing that comes up, especially in early dates for us the most, is just people want to have the conversation or talk about it, especially when deciding what they're doing or like even as simple as like what they're doing that night for the date. Like it's just this like I feel like similarly like just everyone again, right? Like everyone is you know, not everyone. But the the one I'm gonna just <laughs> generalize away. Um yeah. but just that it feels similar. Just like conversations uh, are really helpful. And I guess I personally like even even though I want to have the conversation, sometimes I shy away from it. Even though I feel like I don't know yeah i mean
2: i think it's i will say like i am not some like superhuman who can like navigate all difficult emotional conversations with ease like i think everybody it's it's like not easy to have those kind of conversations um and i mean not all of them are hard either sometimes it's just like being honest about what you want but i think like I understand not wanting to talk about stuff like I really (laughs) do and I think like I've even had experiences where you know I thought like there was like one time where I thought I'm very anxious about sex for a particular reason and I was about to have sex with a new person and I was like maybe I don't need to say anything maybe we can just have sex for the first time and then I can kind of talk to him about like Oh, by the way, I was nervous because of A, B, and C. Um, but then I couldn't even make it that far because I just started like crying. And I was like, before we had sex, and I was like, okay, I guess I do have to. Like my my body is like telling me I have to actually talk about what's going on with me emotionally. I can't just like skip through, have the fun part, and then if I want to like share what's going on, it was like I kind of didn't have a choice so I was like all right I guess I'm talking about what's on my mind
1: now <laughs> yeah yeah. Um, yes. and
2: yeah it's tough
0: totally I mean I think that talking about your feelings is like terrifying for such a large percentage of the population and then like mm-hmm. talking about your feelings about sex is like compounds the fear I mean for me personally yeah. compounds yeah. the fear in a huge way that I've had to work really hard to like try to you know not even, like, not feel it. I still feel it. But to, like, mm-hmm. let it be fear and then just, like, move past it.
1: <laughs> and then especially in the context of anything related to sex, that, it, like, the, my history with sex affects me so much. Like, mm-hmm. in, it, or even what you said with the crying. Like, it's so crazy how much our bodies remember and associate. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's and funny. that, like, you can feel... Yeah, you can feel – like, your body can respond to emotions before your brain does is something mm-hmm. that is, like, kind of amazing and also hard to – takes a long time to understand. Like, I just turned 30 and I still feel like I have moments where I'm, like, why am I freaking out? And it's, like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Because of this. Yeah. Um,
2: totally. Yeah, I think it, it takes a long time to I, – I, I mean, I think, like, part of the reason it's so hard to talk about these things is because I think there's so much pressure – from many angles to feel like you're a sexual expert Hmm. and like there's something inherently lame about like getting into a sexual situation and being like uh oh I don't really know what I'm doing like nobody I I mean when I say it's inherently lame I mean that's that's like the fear is that it's lame not that I actually think that's lame but uh yeah I think it's like we just everyone wants to be like uh I know what I want I know how to please, my partner, like, I got this. And it's just like, it's just not always that simple. And so to kind of have the conversation, it's more than having a conversation. It's like admitting that you're not uh, an omniscient sex god at all times, like that you can't read people's minds and they can't read yours. And like having to like tear down this idea that like, you know, everything about yourself, is scary. Like that's like such a bigger conversation.
0: Totally. Yeah. Omniscient Sex God would be a great band name. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. I could for see sure. that band. Like,
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> uh especially if it was like a girl group. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's true. It's and it is something that I think it's hard for a lot of people to learn that kind of it's you know to gain that knowledge i think just takes like time and if you're lucky therapy and you know experiences and hopefully you know a significant amount of good sexual experiences although like not every woman is given that um Mm -hmm. but it is one of those things that i feel like it's hard to like i you know so so trite but i wish i could tell my like 16 year old self embarking into the sexual world like you know be patient with yourself give it time totally. give it like you know it's not it's not a thing that just clicks or it's not something that you are um it, that kind of communication like self knowledge etc it's just earned <laughs> or found yeah,
1: totally yeah I'm like yeah i always feel like just thinking way back just always having to feeling like I had to prove myself in some way, but never, I don't know. Not yeah. like by go having sex to, because, cause I dated really nice men just like that. I had to like be some, and I don't even know where I got this version of like hot, sexual, super confident person from like when I lost my virginity, which I had no fucking mm-hmm. idea what I was doing. And like, yeah. I couldn't even put that on, but I had, I was like, I remember just beating myself up for like it being uncomfortable, but like it was uncomfortable. I don't know yeah yeah, just
2: yeah. I mean, it's like when you think about even like the imagery that were shown over and over again to indicate that a woman is sexy, it's like such a slim uh, population. <laughs> I mean, literally slim, but like <laughs> it's such a like small population of like what women even look like, what they're wearing. like when you see a sexual like a character who's like the hot girl in the movie, it's like usually a a similar kind of character. So it's like when you exist in the world and you like don't really relate to that imagery in connection with yourself, it is like this mind fuck where you're like, Well, okay, so I don't look like that supermodel in underwear on the billboard. I don't look like the girl that all the guys like in this TV show. I don't I'm not as like confident as the girl in this movie. It's like, so what, where does that leave me? And I think that that does take like years to unpack. Um, but also I hope that like, you know, teenagers now, maybe they're just exposed to more for better or worse than we were, um, where, like, you have access to even, like, seeing different body types I, online and stuff.
1: It's amazing because we have still have so far to go. But I think we were talking about that. I was talking about that recently with someone or maybe on this podcast. But just, like, oh, wow, you can actually see different body types. Like, we simply did not, I feel like, on yeah, ads. Like, even if, yeah. like, you know, there's still a lot of,
0: yeah. Well, we were coming out of, well, we also, I also talked about this on the podcast recently, <laughs> but that 80s, 90s, like, type of hot girl <laughs> that mm-hmm. was, like, White, super skinny, like, very straight hair.
1: <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it was so yeah. specific.
0: Like, yeah. you know. Like,
1: it's so skinny, too. Like, like right. do you remember it's when like, Elizabeth
0: yeah. Buckley on Saved by the Bell was, like, the kooky pretty girl, like, because she yes. had curly hair? <laughs>
1: like, right, right. It was, like, like, that's
0: a so,
2: big variety. She's like, the big. smart
0: girl. She's got curly yeah. hair. Like, it was insane. That is insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But on, sort of related to that note, because we do, I think we do have a lot of listeners who are, like, in their early 20s and, or younger, I mean, and also mm-hmm. of all ages, but yeah, I, I liked, you know, um in your, in your, I mean, it's funny, I keep referencing the intro to your book because it's, like, the part that I know, you know, you, better that, that, that I know yeah. you wrote and that are, like, your feelings, Um, mm-hmm. but I feel like that, I feel like we get listener questions a lot that say things like, how do I do this without sounding too aggressive or how do I do this without making him like, not li- like me or think I'm pushy or think I'm clingy, yeah. which is like so natural and no shade. If you've written that in an email to us or to anyone, because I feel that way all the time with yeah. male bosses and this and that like always Kimmy and I have discussed lightly um, sex on early dates, sex on the first mm-hmm. date, sex in the first, no, no, no handful of dates you go on Um, with someone you know sex maybe like before you know the person super well which um not is obviously like not for everyone uh although like I encourage it (laughs) I think it's great Mm -hmm. um if if it's what you want and it's exciting to you like fuck yeah. yeah um but uh do you have thoughts and feelings on like how to ask for what you want sexually um in a way that's like positive like we I mean yeah 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 well I think I'll
2: first say that like you know because I think everyone is so different in both their experience of sex and the way that they want to talk about it it's like you know you have to take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt because it might not like be the thing that you want to do and like if you don't want to do it like you can't force yourself (laughs) to like um you know have a conversation in a way you don't want to like you have to kind of like do a little reflection of what works for you but having said that i think that it starts with your own education of yourself so like i can i think that sometimes in the beginning um you do get a lot of openness from your partner about like what's on the table sexually. Um, and, but sometimes the questions can be really broad. Like people in the moment can be like, what do you want? What do you want to (laughs) do? And I think that sometimes hearing that, uh, it can be a little overwhelming because you're like, uh, what do I want to do? Uh, have sex, I guess. Like you kind of just like, (laughs) it's hard to like get really specific. So I think like, you have to do that work beforehand and be like, okay, let me, you know, whether you're like masturbating or just like thinking and journaling or whatever it is to just be like, okay, let me like close my eyes and think what actually turns me on. Like, are there, uh, is there language that like I really don't like or I really do like, um, like are there things that make me cringe (laughs) Uh, I think, are there things that like always make me feel good? Are there things I've always wanted to try? Like you have to ask yourself a lot of questions first so that when somebody asks you like what you want, like it's, you're not just like, uh, I I don't know, like kind of whatever you want. Like you are able to have a little more agency and be like, you know what I really like is X. And I promise that is hot. Like, I promise just saying, I want you to do X, is hot.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, I, I, I think that, um, you know, in this whole conversation we've had about, like, you know, there's so much pressure to be confident. It's like, yeah, because confidence is sexy. So, but I think the path to confidence is not to uh, give in to what our ideas about sexuality are. It's like. To empower yourself to voice your own ideas about sexuality and what you want. Um, so, I hope that kind of answers the question. No, I, I think yes. it. Yeah. yeah, I think it's about being specific.
1: That's a good point too, being specific, and yeah, and also I think I to all sorts of different questions we get when it comes to like worrying about offending the partner, whatever it's mm-hmm. about. Um, Like, if you, if you, but if, but I'm kind of like, well, fuck that partner then. Totally. Which also is something
0: I meant to say earlier in my little diatribe is that, like, I feel like it's very gendered, this worry about what our words are going to, like, do to our partner sexually. Like, what are, like, even using the word aggressive or anything like that is so gendered and it's so hard to hear and it's so sad and it's, I always feel bad when I feel myself falling into those habits where I'm like I I know why I'm doing this because I don't want to piss anybody off and I don't want to this yeah. I don't want to take up space like whatever um but obviously it's very hard but I think it's such a good point of just like saying what you want simply is like you know fairly I think I don't know user-friendly
1: <laughs> yeah 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 because Emma and the way I, you I, put yeah. it it's sorry to, um but the way you put it, it, like, it would be really hard to be offended by just being like, hey, you know what's really good for me? Or, like, what? I don't know. Now I'm fucking it yeah. up.
2: Yeah, like, <laughs> no, totally. I mean, I think it's, like, I, I mean, I think it's, like, a fair concern to worry about how your partner will interpret what you're saying. Because, like, I think we've, once again, to generalize, <laughs> I think, like, we've all been in situations sexually where someone's said something to us and we've been like, ooh, I yeah. don't like that. Yeah, that's and true. And so, so – I I think it, you know, it works both ways. Like, and, um, and sometimes I think that's like when people like give you like a critique in the middle, it can be like a little overwhelming, but I think like, I, I just want to like, I guess remind people like inside we're all just little kids who are like afraid of getting hurt (laughs) and Mm -hmm. like, you know, you got to protect the little kid inside you and like, and know that someone else probably has that too. But at the same time, like what I always say to my friends, if they're like, oh, I don't know if I should send this text message or something, I'm always like, send it. Because worst case scenario is the person completely breaks it off based on this one thing you said. Which like, to me, is crazy. So it's like, do you really wanna be with someone or be hooking up with someone who like, because you like texted to see what they're doing and you worried if it was too soon or too aggressive, if like, that's the thing that could topple it all. Like, do you really want to be with that person?
0: (laughs) Totally. And like, do you want to be in anything where you have to think about your interactions so much? Because if you're thinking about your interactions that much, like you're not being yourself, obviously like, whoa, be yourself like groundbreaking advice, but
2: (laughs) no, no. I mean, it's yeah. And I'll just, add to that it's like of course like dating and like liking people is like not simple um especially in the beginning and like you don't want to it is sort of like as much as you don't want it to be a game um and like as much as I advocate for honesty like and no game playing it's like there is still a game a conversational game um and like, yeah, if you called somebody like every day for a week after you met them, yeah, that might be a little too intense. <laughs> like a lot, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, but I think it's like if you can kind of reality check and like be like, okay, we went out like three days ago. I want to see what they're doing tonight. Like, like that's the kind of stuff where I'm like, send that text. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, like you have to. Like, I think we all have our own, uh, you know, metric of like, what's too annoying for us and what's just like nice and checking in. And it's like, if you and the other person have like different metrics of what's annoying, then you're probably not that compatible anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. I want to start saying, send that text more on this podcast. <laughs> yes, we'll send you, Emma, that text. <laughs> honestly, so much of my life was spent worrying about texts and things. This actually doing like the dates for this podcast changed a lot of that, but just like, mm-hmm. it's a win-win when you send that text. Cause you might have a good good response or you might find out someone like is not quite for you and it's gonna hurt for yeah. that moment but it's gonna hurt a lot later if it like goes more in between style I don't know and you'll just like feel good that you did it or found out it's like ugh, yeah know. it's totally. like checking for a result on a test or something I don't know the last time I did that but like, it's be- yeah it's better to know yeah it's better
2: to know and I also think like I think about something my friend Kelsey said to me about difficult conversations, and she said, you know, every time I have to gear up for a difficult conversation, I get really excited because I think I'm strengthening the muscle that allows me to become better at conversations like this. Mm. And I that has really stayed with me because it's like, yeah, if you never uh, talk about anything that's uncomfortable, you never talk about how you feel, you never uh, – you know, are empathic about how someone else feels. You never have to compromise with a partner. Like, if you never have those conversations, you will never be good at them. And so it's, like, when you have to have one, it's, like, great. This is an opportunity to, like, improve my skills at, like, being a person and, like, being good at, like, dealing with conflict in relationships, which is, like, the results of which are, like, applicable in so many areas of your life, so... Try to think of it as a good thing. Yeah, I know that's totally. easier yeah. said than done. But yeah,
0: and then also it's the same thing with like then I don't know I I am I mean I'm a, have never been able to initiate hard conversations. I'm better at it now because mm-hmm. I like met someone who helped me who forced me to do it. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that when my my biggest thing now about any difficult conversation is like then it's done. Like you get yeah. the relief of. Like something that's it's 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 a it's a difficult conversation in the first place because it's something that's been weighing on you, and if you have yeah. the conversation, usually like there's some kind of resolution, even if it's not satisfying. Right. It's like, well, I've literally like, take taken a stinger out of my arm, you know, like something that was just like fucking poison and in my side is gone. Yeah. Yeah. Or different. I don't know. Different poison sometimes. <laughs> <sighs>
1: I know, I gotta get more positive in my thinking. I really like that idea of strengthening the muscle. Yeah. It really yeah, it's good. Like, yeah, for thank anything. You Kelsey. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Kelsey. <laughs>
0: yeah, sure. Kelsey's very wise. Um, nice.
1: And since we forgot to ask Emma about her worst first date, um, let's do it now. So Emma, do you have a worst first date you'd want to share?
2: Sure. Well, I mean I've had so many just like strange dates in my life. <laughs> um <laughs> But I guess the one that comes to mind, I don't even know if I would call this the worst, but mm-hmm. it was just, like, a tough one, was it was um, maybe, like, five or six years ago, and I had recently gotten out of a relationship. Um, and, I, you know, you're always in, like, a weird place right after, because mm-hmm. there's, like, simultaneously, like, you're like, oh, like, I'm single again that's like an interesting place to be, but also like you're still dealing with the, what you just went through and are kind of sad. Um, so I met this guy who was a friend of a friend and we had talked for a long time at some party and then he asked me out and I said to my friend, like, you know, I'm not really sure if I felt like a romantic thing with him But she really was like, he's such a good guy, he's such a good guy. And it's just like, I guess the big um, theme of this story is like not listening to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) So you know, I was kind of like, okay, even though I wasn't really that into it, I was like, yeah, he's a nice guy. So let me, why shouldn't I go for it? So then it was the day of the date. And I was just like, really like, ah, I have that date, like really not looking forward to it. I went straight from work, and I was wearing—I like, didn't change. Uh, I was wearing like a button-down, like long-sleeve shirt and like pants. <laughs> and and I was like, uh, I feel like, yeah, subconsciously, like my body was like, you don't want to be here. Like you're not like making an effort to mm-hmm. do this. Like you don't want to do this. But I was like, no, I got to give it a chance. I got to put myself back out there. And uh, I was like, it'll be fine once you're on the date, like you'll probably have fun. And so then I went and met up with them. And as soon as I walked in, just like in the pit of my stomach, I was like, I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to be here. But it was like minute one of the date. Mm. And so I was like, oh no, what do, I, like, what do I do now? So then I felt like I kind of like pivoted and tried to make it more friendly because I was just like, I don't really feel the vibes. Um, I already, if I had really listened to myself, I would have realized I didn't feel the vibes. But I just like kept pushing myself and pushing myself um, to do something I honestly didn't want to do. So I was kind of being like, "Yo, man, I'm starving. Like, let's get food." Like, <laughs> I was just like <laughs> yeah. trying to like not be a, have it not be a date. And then by the end of it. I was just getting more and more worked up in my head and I felt so bad and I felt bad that I had even arrived that I just like broke down um, and was like, hey, I'm really sorry. I just got out of a relationship. I feel so much pressure for this to be romantic and I just really don't feel that way. Um, And he was like totally kind about it albeit a little confused, like, like, (laughs) why did you even, come out with me, um, and I was just, like, okay, cool, and then I just, like, walked away and, like, cried for 10 blocks, um, and I just, but it was, like, a really, so it was just, like, the whole thing was really uncomfortable, but it was good because it made me realize, like, if you don't want to go out with someone, you don't have to, like, I think that there's often this pressure, especially for women, when you're, like, oh, my God, like, how am I ever going to find somebody? Or, like, I just want to connect with somebody. Totally.
0: Or, like, this guy um, likes me and wants to take me out, so I should right. say yes yeah. because he asked, which even if you don't like him, like, yeah.
2: Totally, yeah. And I think it's, like, that can then translate to our sexual experiences where it can be, like, oh, it's such an honor to be here. Like, I'll do whatever you say and, like, won't speak up about my own needs because it just feels like, to connect with someone in this way is, like, such a precious commodity, so how could I ever turn it down? Um, yeah. But, like, we really have to ask ourselves, like, do you, are you even interested in this person? Like, do you even – are you even ready to go on a date? Are you, do you even want to have sex? Like, all of these things. Um,
1: yeah. No, that's really such a good point to keep remembering because we're always like, go on a date. But it's because for me to break a pattern I was in of, like, mm-hmm. shitty – half relationships for too long I like yeah I needed to get out there for like many different reasons but if you don't you don't have to go on a date like or like or like I think that's such just like really asking yourself it's so similar to the sex thing like Mm -hmm. what you felt on that date where sometimes it's like I pressure myself into certain things Yeah.
2: yeah yeah and I also think that there's something like I think it's so good to get feedback from your friends you know and to like check in and explain how you're feeling and like keep them posted on like you know people that you like and what happened it's good but i think also we have to be wary of like giving our friends input too much power Mm -hmm. to the point where it can convince us that like we're potentially interested in people that we're not
0: totally or
2: vice versa like if you really like somebody and your friends don't like them i'm in in that case, like, maybe, who knows, maybe he's, like, a scam artist or something, <laughs> but... <laughs> but,
1: oh, yeah. Yes. But I think that is really Totally. Good you
0: have to follow your own gut.
1: Yeah. 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 Like, as a... Like, you, you can be... Like, being one person is enough, so if you're not interested in dating, it's, like, don't feel any pressure just because, it's like, ooh, that nice guy, he's gonna float by once and never come back. Totally.
0: Yeah. And, like, women, right, like, our strength is that we're fucking wise and intuitive as hell, and, like, <laughs> I think usually your gut about someone is right. Like, if someone seems creepy, they are. <laughs> you yeah, know, if someone yeah. seems awesome but, like, doesn't fit your checklist, they're probably awesome. You know, or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you
1: cool. so much, Emma. This was such a fun experience for us and like just so awesome to talk after like 10 years more yeah yeah this is awesome <laughs> uh this is so much fun to talk to you guys
0: yeah you too and congrats on everything yeah. um and let us let our let our listeners know where they can find you on social like what you know we'll remind them of the totally. book title
2: so where you can find me <laughs> is <laughs> i'm at mjuko e-m-j-u-k-o um on twitter and instagram and my book, Moon, is available everywhere. So you can get it at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, your local bookseller. Um, and if they don't have it, you can ask for it and they'll get it for you. Yeah. So uh,
0: And we'll obviously yeah. link it and link everything yeah, in the we'll info everything. to this podcast episode. Um, thank and you for
1: listening, listeners. Thank you for
0: listening. And you can find us at first Dates. Uh, sorry, at 51 First Dates Pod. I keep fucking this up. It's forty-five episodes. Cool. At 51 First Date First Dates Pod on Instagram. 51 First Dates Pod at gmail.com. Join the secret Facebook group.
1: Rate right, subscribe review. Boom. Okay, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, <laughs> thank, Emma, okay. guys and
0: thank you, thanks, Emma Thanks,
1: guys. Yeah. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye. And go on a date. Oh, and go on a date. Ooh. Special shout out and thanks to Jim from 5 Ohm for recording our episodes and making us sound pretty.
1: Yes, thank you. And also a big shout out to Anthony also from 5 Ohm for making us sound really good in post. And you should check 5 Ohm out online at 5ohm.com and that's spelled F-I-V-E-O-H-M
0: Ohm.